We know that you enjoy the Bruckleary podcast. Continue to support it by referring it to your friends, commending it to everyone. Thank you so much for listening. And please make the Bruckleary podcast great again. So look, uh, we had the midterms last night. Uh, we are talking to you Wednesday morning, fresh off of the elections, the midterms. Big blue wave, right? Big blue, <laughs> Big blue wave. Uh, no, I'm going to tell you, there was no blue wave at all. There was not even a, a blue trickle. There was nothing. Puddle? There was no, I wanna, I'm not even going to call it a puddle. Ooze? Here's the thing. Um, let's talk about the general picture, and then we'll talk about the more specifics. But... You know, here's what this election was not about at the end of the day. It was not about whether or not Kavanaugh was a good man or raped or uh, molested uh, a woman when he was 17 or otherwise. It was not about racism. It was not about uh, anti-Semitism. It wasn't about anti-womanism. It wasn't even about Trump. Yeah, that's right. It wasn't. You know what it was about? What was it about? (laughs) It was about the economy. It turns out, it turn, I, this is going to be a shocker. I'm going to, this is a thesis, and I'm going to get a PhD for it. I'm going to tell you that it turns out people <laughs> vote for people that they perceive to be delivering a good economy for them. Yeah, that's right. I know. You, you heard it here first. It's weird. It's I'm weird. I'm knitting my brows like Rachel Maddow I know. I know. It's a, it, I know. It's a crazy theory, but if you, if you bear with me, I think I can prove a causation, a, a connection between a good economy and people voting for that party that delivered that good economy. I, I just... I don't know. Just go with me on this one. Okay. I'm thinking. Take, take me on your magical but mystery I, tour. I know. I your know. journey to this strange new <laughs> land block. I, I know. <clears throat> I know. It's just a theory. And I think that the results bear this out. Look, first of all, let's talk about uh, the Senate. Okay. So the Senate, you know, although there were a lot of uh, Republican uh, matters that they, they, they had the advantage, there's no doubt about that. But still, they won. Uh, what another three? At least another three seats. Five seats. Four so, or five. Four or five. Yeah. And there's there, well, there's one still in abeyance right now in Georgia. But nevertheless, we have at least three, probably four, and maybe even five at the end of the day. So that's great. Okay. And and if if they really were that hostile to Trump, and uh, his so-called sexism, his so-called racism, his so-called anti-Semitism, his so-called uh, hostility to Mexicans and otherwise, they they wouldn't have gotten that. Okay. So that's good. Very, very good, in fact. The other part of it is the House, where the, uh, the Democrats appear to have gained about 25 or 26 seats. So this is not a win for the Democrats. Most of those congressional seats, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, most of the congressional seats that, that flipped back to blue were in districts that were already wildly liberal as it is. So it was just more of a fluke that Republicans held those districts in the first place, in a lot of them, not all of them, of course. So, and the other ones were where they were, it was kind of like a, um, a, a very close record. It's not as if they, they turned some sort of conservative district into a liberal district. Right, they were That, that winning, never happened. They weren't winning, for the most part, a conservative-held district by 10 or more points. Right. 
a lot of these were a fluctuation of anywhere from 500 to 2,000 votes. Yes. And just so the voter, the, the listeners know, to put this in perspective, every congressional district has right around 700,000 people in it. Right. And about half of those are voters. So every congressional district, and not all those voters vote. So think about having 150,000 votes cast per congressional district across the country and winning by, you know, 2,000 votes. It's a tiny little fluctuation. Right. You yeah, know, it wasn't it. like district after district that was held by a Republican was lost by, you know, 30,000 votes per district. Right. You know? And it would be very easy, by the way, to, to cheat in those votes. But we're not saying that they cheated. Oh, I am, but Brock <laughs> isn't. No, no, because, because it's almost not relevant in a, in a sense. Because if they were cheating, then they didn't get much, uh, you know, didn't get much traction. Uh, at the end of the day, they got, you know, what was expected uh, in, a, in a midterm election so shortly, if, if if they really felt, and they really did believe, by the way, that Trump, there's a wave against him, the resistance and all, that's another thing it wasn't about. It wasn't about the resistance. It, it wasn't about Antifa getting its way or any of those things that we talked about before. Uh, nothing of the sort. At the end of the day, it was about people voting with their pocketbooks, giving a sense of, we like this economy. And it gives a big lie to the notion that somehow Trump's election in 2016 was some fluke that was just a hysterical moment on the part of America where the Nazis took over or whatever. You know, this is their claim, of course, not ours. Uh, and now they begin to realize, wait a minute, this might be a thing, this this Trumpism sort of thing, this this notion that uh, things got to be got to change in the swamp called Washington. And I, I think it's bearing out quite nicely. Not only that, not only that, because there are three aspects. We talked about the Senate. We talked about the House. Then there's also the governorships. The governorships, we did very well this, uh, this past night, uh, including Florida, Ohio, and uh, I believe, was it Iowa also? Uh, oh, Indiana. And, Mar- and the big one. Yeah, Maryland. the big one. Maryland had a Republican governor who retained his position yeah. in true blue Maryland. Right. And did very well. It wasn't just like well. one point. Right. It was, I think, uh, seven points yeah. or something. And it was quite couple, extraordinary. There were a couple bad losses on the governorships. Uh, Kansas comes to mind. Kobach, who have been great, lost. And then, of course, Scott Walker lost. Yeah. And those are bad. But the damage is limited. And, and they didn't lose to... The real dangerous leftists, the the big star dangerous leftists in Florida and Georgia both lost the governor races. Yeah, that was that's very good news. Yes, very good news. Did we did we pick up more governorships um, this time around? No, we lost a net of seven. Seven. Okay, so yeah. I, okay, but it's still not to put that in perspective. In two thousand ten, oh, uh, the Democrats, the Obama Tea Party, the anti-Obama Tea Party revolt, that was sixty seven. House seats flipped to the Republicans. Oh, yeah. No, it's crazy. A thousand uh, state-level assembly, state senate, state uh, house seats flipped. No, that was and utter destruction. Like 13 that was That was a true red wave. Yeah. And that was a wonderful day. I remember that. Um, and then, of course, 1994, very similar story with uh, Clinton having to backtrack. And he did the smart thing at the end of the day. He said, oh, oh, crap. I better start playing ball with these Republicans. And he did. 
Yeah, which and, was and first mind on you, this part. this situation, there was election meddling in this. In that, remember in 2016, the accusations of Facebook meddling. Facebook was shutting down huge amounts of conservative sites, conservative um, groups, conservative users. Twitter and Google were all meddling in this election let alone the standard mainstream media bias, all against Republicans, and it still couldn't produce a, the major blue wave. That oh, yeah. My, one of my good friends, Joe Messina, you probably know him, He uh, his Facebook page was was uh, taken down like two days before the election. Yeah. Weird. And he has a massive following. You know, he the last thing they want to do is uh, to let him be heard. So it was. it's a weird, weird situation. Yeah, and, and I'm not going to... Uh, you know, Pollyanna is this. I am not happy that the Democrats took control of the House. In this day and age, that party is so dangerous. Of course. You know, from end to end. Even of course. If, even if there's only an Ocasio-Cortez here and that crazy woman in, in uh, Minneapolis-St. Paul's district there, the, <clears throat> the, the, uh, the Democrat Party end to end, despite those being the extreme elements of, of crazy, is just not good people. So it's horrible that they control any of the, the levers of government. Right. And they will do, yes, uncalculable damage, even in control of the House. Because as Democrats have shown in the Kavanaugh hearings, they will do whatever damage they can do. Yes. Okay. Look, I, I agree with you about this. I, I would prefer that every single seat, uh, Senate-wise and, and congressional-wise and governorship, would be held by uh, conservatives. And, and I would think that would actually be a good thing. I, I, I think we have enough checks and balances, even among the system, to make sure that the, the conservatives limit government. And that's, that's the beauty of it. Had we had that situation, we would have our dream, which is true limited government uh, and more power to the people. At the end of the day, but but that's not happening. Look, we have to take the facts as they come. I'm not being Pollyannish about it. I, I am. Um, I'm basing it upon what the expectations were, and not only that, but also historical records are. It is so typical <clears throat> that the president's party loses a tremendous amount of congressional and Senate seats um, in the in the first midterm elections after he becomes president. And that just didn't happen here. Yeah, and not no, to the extent of Nowhere of close to normal it. Nowhere and, close to it. And let alone nowhere close to the 2010. Right. Yeah. And mind you, mind you, and, and again, I'm looking for silver linings, and this is not too hard to find silver linings. Although the Democrats will control the House, they'll only control it by a little bit. Okay, this is not like it's somehow two-thirds Democrat now. It's not. It's, yeah, they will not be able to overwrite vetoes yeah, they pass crazy legislation. Exactly right. Good point. And, and there will be some Democrats who won't even support it. They're blue dog Democrats. They're Mancini, uh, Mancini-type Democrats, right? Um, and so, so I'm, I'm not too worried about it. The Democrats are very ineffective anyway. If they proceed as they threaten or have threatened to just do investigation after investigation against Trump for the next two years, uh, then you know what? Go for it, buddy, because it turns out that they have such limited memory about this, such, no, such a limited ability to understand the message. The message of this election was that that crap didn't matter. The accusations of corruption and otherwise, unless you had something to you, you didn't. Um, you know, that's what Kavanaugh, the Kavanaugh situation and the, the alleged Russian collusion situation have in common. There's no evidence to support either of them. So the, the population said, that's a big fat donut. We're not interested in that. We're interested in the economy, stupid. And the Democrats will not heed that lesson. Instead, 
They'll gun for it investigation after investigation, which is exactly the opposite of what they should be leaning toward. What, what they should be doing is advancing policy, and they have no interest in advancing policy. Yeah, well, they have no ideas. And the only nebulous policy yeah. they allegedly ran on, and it was news to me because I hadn't seen any of it, was health care and pre-existing <clears throat> conditions. But what's so interesting about that as an issue, and I know you'd agree with this, is that is that not part and parcel of the economy? Yep. Go ahead. I mean, isn't it, wouldn't, wouldn't the cost of healthcare, health insurance, achieving the, the products and services involved and related to healthcare, related to you having money to afford those things? Right. Thus, if you have a good paying job and aren't forking over huge amounts of your income to taxes, you can basically afford anything you want. Well, yeah. Right? Well, I mean, you assume a logic that a lot of voters are not necessarily employing. But very much to your point. So Nancy Pelosi gets on the uh, the stump after uh, their party's so-called victory in the House. And she's going to be the Speaker of the House again. And she starts talking about how we're going to rectify these wrongs uh, and that we're going to have uh, good-paying jobs and uh, we're going to give opportunities to people. And to which you're, you're scratching your head like... What jobs are not are you, are you not having right now that I'm not aware of? I mean, th these jobs are going begging. Uh, that there's there's so many there are so many jobs available to people. This is not a hard economy for people to find a job in. I, there's not a single person out there saying, "Wow, this economy really sucks." I mean, not not one. So I mean, look, Pelosi, go go for it. Go for the message, whatever you like. But the, what, one thing that they're smart about is, maybe Pelosi's smart about, is to understand, well, guess, guess what? That racism message, that anti-immigration message, that anti-Semitic message, uh, that ain't resonating. So you better do something else. So they, they do the something else, at least Nancy Pelosi is, saying, oh, you know, the economy is for crap. But but even but that's not going to resonate either. Yeah. Well, if you just look back at 2006 to 2008, what they did, and my concern is that what she will do is do everything she can to trash the economy and crash the economy. Oh, I see. All the while complaining that the economy sucks, and then with her experience doing exactly this, becoming a self fulfilling prophecy. Right. See, little, that's that's yeah, their I see that's saying. their plan. Yeah. Because remember what they did from 2006 to 2008. Very important is they started as soon as she took office. I was saying to everyone I knew, my God, they're crashing the economy. And then Chuck Schumer would. This is so dastardly. He'd go on TV and say, I hear there's a run on a bank in California, and he named the bank. <laughs> Next thing you know, the depositors of the bank, which was did not have a run on it, would freak out, pull out their money, and then there'd be a run on the bank. Yeah, and then Chuck Schumer would say, "See, there's a run on the bank," and yeah, then yeah. they do it in another. I get bank. it. I get it. And then that led to one thing to the other to the housing crisis. So that's going to be their playbook. So she's starting now by telling us how bad the economy is. So when it gets bad because of her lunacy. Well, okay. Know, well, let's 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 let's. It. Yeah, I understand your theory. I don't know if I subscribe to it. Yeah. Yeah. And the big difference, though, and this is an important point to make: the president at the time was George W. Bush, who did nothing to push back against these narratives. I get it. And get now it. we have a guy who will. I know. So that's why the plan I know. Might I know. I know. Work out a, so, so it's similar to the argument of, and I raised this on my Sunday show, AM eight seven KRLA in Los Angeles, Sundays ten to eleven AM. Um, and available on the internet, that's right. AM870.com. Right? Oh, yeah. No. Uh, what is it? AM870theanswer.com. Yeah. Uh, Click the listen it. live button. And, there you go. And yeah. find podcasts. Okay. Anyway, the point is that they 
create this world of div the divisiveness, what they call divisiveness. All right, they call it, they they create divisiveness, and then they say, oh, you know, people don't like divisiveness, you know. Yes. So, and then they get to point to the Republicans and say, look, look how divisive you are. Yeah, they're but, not agreeing with us. Well, they're divisive. Yeah, 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 but your guys, you're the ones who are throwing the Molotov cocktails, literally, <laughs> right. right? You're the ones <laughs> making these crazy accusations against Kavanaugh that have no basis in fact. You're the ones, you know, proclaiming that uh, there's there's anti-Semitic attacks all over the place. You're the ones proclaiming that that. Um, that uh, Trump is calling uh, Mexicans rapists and murderers. None of these things are happening. <laughs> but and then you say, you see, there's conflict. You know, we got to stop this. Well, how about this? How about if you don't create it in the first place and see? Let's see what happens. Okay, so so it's a, a very similar argument. They they tried that game too. That does not work. Um, so at the end of the day, it's it's as if you know. Look, I'm a lawyer. I go into court all the time, and. You present different facts. Uh, each side presents their facts, uh, and they argue very strongly about it. And at the end of the day, you know, the judge makes a ruling. Did you breach the contract or didn't you? Okay? Did you pay the money or didn't you? Okay? I don't care if you said something nasty in an email to the other side back in 2015. Okay? I don't care if... Um, you know, he promised you uh, another deal two years from now. I just care if you breached this contract. Okay. Did you breach it, sir? You did. Okay. I'm ruling against you. Okay. That's the way it works. Okay. And at the end of the day, that's, you know, you, you prepare for all the different um, uh, contingencies. And then when you actually push comes to shove, it boils down to like two or three issues. And that's it. I, I mean, I, I love it. You know, there's, a, there's a very famous attorney here. And I, I really learned a lot from him. He, um, you know, the lawyers come in with all these exhibit books, right? And it's like, here are 200 exhibits, right? And, and they're all subsets as well. You know, exhibit uh, 522A, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, point one and all that stuff. And, like, you understand that the jury is not going to be interested in this, right? You understand that even the judge is not going to be interested in this. And this attorney that I'm talking about, um, he would just look at the exhibit book and he would rip out everything. He would say, tell me the 10 most important documents. And then you would give him the 10 most important documents. And he goes, okay. Now, of these, tell me the seven that really matter. So take away three. And then you would take away three. And he would say, now give me two more and then we'll be done. And then we would have five exhibits. And that was the case. And he would win because that's all that really mattered at the end. He was able to see the end game before anyone else was. So these, the Democrats are just the same way. They think they have to they throw everything out there. And at the end of the day, they're only creating noise. And they are, they are annoying people, really annoying people. Get to the friggin' point. That's what the, the Americans expect. And by the way, deliver results. If you can't deliver results, we're going to get you out, Okay. Just perform. It's, it's like uh, I have employees, uh, and, and if they don't come on time, you know, too often, I'm going to fire them. If they don't, uh, you know, if they, they, if they misfile documents constantly, I'm going to fire them. At the end of the day, I don't care, you know, whether they make a cute joke once in a while or whether they, they make uh, great coffee for me. Or, Boy, I'm in big <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or whether, whether, you know, or whether they're just nice or whatever it is, you know, it's nice. Uh, or or they, they, they manage to blame somebody else for something. After a while, I'm just going to say, did you deliver or didn't you?
right? And I, I, you know, there's only so much money I can waste. You know, every business, uh, unless you're Apple or Google or otherwise, they have very little margin for error. And I think the same is true when it comes to our politicians, especially our president. You need to be able to deliver. Is the president delivering? The answer is yes. If he's not, okay, then you've got some issues. Did you breach the contract or did you not? Right? That, that, that's the beauty of this all. So, and we're seeing constant messages about how the country is saying, I don't give a crap about that. Especially when you don't have any basis for it, like Kavanaugh. You know, by the way, Kavanaugh, um, it, Fox News just reported that if, of all the battleground uh, senators in this past election, the battleground ones, um, every single one of them that voted for, uh, sorry, uh, against Kavanaugh's confirmation, they all lost. Yeah. Every single Except one. Except for one that's still being late decided, the Montana one, I think is still being counted. And there's a chance he could eke it out. He's but, not going but to. But the point is, he's... Uh, and but, I but, but, that's not, that's, but my point is... I don't, I don't want to look at the exception. No, no, no not me an exception. I'm, I'm, I'm amplifying what you just said. I'm saying... Even if he ekes it out, he paid an enormous price for being a jerk. Right. He should have just passed the guy because every one of those Democrats who was screaming about some form of sexual atrocity, every one of them damn well know Kavanaugh didn't do anything of the sort. Right. Every goddamn one of right. them. It's a, it's a shameful operation. Yeah. And they put their careers at <clears throat> risk for, for Rupkus. Right. And Mancine, by contrast, he voted for it and he's uh, still in play. And he, and he, he won you know, pretty nicely in, in West Virginia. So, look, I don't like Mancine, generally speaking. Mansion, you mean. Mansion, I'm sorry. Yeah. He, um, he voted correctly, very wisely for his own uh, survival. Um, and he generally votes in a smart way because he understands that you've got to play the conservative game in a conservative state like West Virginia. Uh, but so, so he's the only one who gets it, right? Among the Democrats, that is. But we're going to see time and time again. Now, look, what does this all mean? Because... I mean, other than what we just talked about, we talked about the fact that they're not getting the message. They are clearly not understanding that the American population just wants you to deliver. Plain and simple. Did you do it right or did you not do it right vis-a-vis -vis the economy? Are you good with a foreign policy or are you not good with a foreign policy? Are you a leader or are you not a leader? These are binary questions. And, and the, the voting population votes for it. That's, that's the work, that way it works. Okay, so as a country, we have, we've actually had a wave, uh, a, a red wave. It has actually occurred to us uh, in a midterm election where you're not supposed to have a red wave, okay, of any kind. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying this, this was a tsunami, but I am saying that it tilted to the red, and I'm, I'm delighted about as it. As red waves go right. in first-term, midterm elections for a new president, it's Better than any he's done before, relatively speaking. Absolutely. Other than George W. Bush in 2002 during a war, post 9 yes. 11. Yes. Other than that, this is. Well, it was 9 11. It was post 9 11. Right. Yeah. It was, you you, you know. definitely had to. The, the country was going to support him. It was only uh, literally a year later. So, uh, of course, he, he was going to do well. And I'm, I'm glad that that happened, but we don't, we don't have that kind of anomaly situation here. We have a normal apples to apples situation. And all things considered, I mean, we did it fantastically well. Yeah, I would make one more point about how well this was.
the amount of media bias and the backlash on the social media sites that put going back to the IRS scandal under Obama, oh, which yeah, totally took out all of the Tea Party organizations. Okay, right. eviscerated them. Going back to the post-2016 hoax that took out so many conservatives off of social media like myself. I haven't been permanently banned, but I've been suspended several times, and I know I've been shadow banned. My, my message does not get out anymore like it once did. I've gone from a post, every post I make having several hundred likes and shares, to four Per post. Wow. It's shocking how little traction I get on social media. And I have a following on Twitter of 50,000 people, and none of them see my stuff anymore. Okay, It's that bad. Uh, Despite that, an incredible increase in all the biases in all media, we did this well. If if you eliminate, not the standard media bias in mainstream media, but if you eliminate the tech uh, information gatekeeper media bias... We would have done so much better. We would, yeah, have, that's a good point. we would have picked up seats in the House. That's a really good point. But they had to go to those kind of extremes to yeah. stop it. Well, something's very interesting. Speaking on exactly on that issue, uh, as you know, I'm on the board of PragerU. And uh, we are pursuing a claim against Google and YouTube, right, for censorship. Exactly the, the kind of stuff you're talking about. And not shadow banning, although that's a pl- that's no, a. No, you're talking also. about outright banning. Yeah, basically. outright. Well, restrictions. Total censorship. They're based upon yeah. restrictions, and the idea is to minimize the viewage of these very important uh, PragerU videos, and uh, that's our claim. And I, I think we've got a solid claim, and and all that. Guess what? So Trump is now uh, getting interested in this this lawsuit, and he's also interested in pursuing antitrust. Okay, now look, I'm not a big fan of antitrust litigation, generally speaking. But there is a time where you need to have antitrust litigation. There is a, there is a, it's a, what I call a, a rule that should be used sparingly for extreme cir- circumstances, like the death penalty. How about that? Right? You, you apply the death penalty not to all murders, only to really egregious murders that def- just shock the conscience. And have overwhelming evidence yes. that is not only just beyond reasonable doubt, but definitely did it. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Like, the, like the schmuck, uh, the, the horrific monster in, in the Pittsburgh synagogue shooting. He deserves the death penalty, and I hope he gets it. But whatever. That's not the point. The point is that it should be used sparingly. And you know what? That's, that's how I feel about the death penalty. Use it sparingly, not for every murder. Okay, I don't like murderers. They should get life, life in prison at the very least. But death penalty, absolutely, in circumstances like the Pittsburgh synagogue shooting um, and, and other egregious circumstances. But likewise, in the antitrust, there are times where some, you know, one entity has uh, so subsumed a, an industry. Yeah, and abused the, the And subsuming. abused it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That, that you've got to say, hey, listen, you've overstepped your bounds. Uh, of what uh, you know, what this great country offers, which is this the freedom of, of business and of capitalism and so forth. But when, when you try to conquer it in such a way that you are you're acting like a pig, what's what's the expression? Uh, pigs get fed and hogs get slaughtered, right? Yeah. You're acting like a hog, I should say. That's that's what they're doing. They're acting like hogs, and I think Trump is very interested in this because it does have an effect. I mean, we're talking about, you know, they're, they're talking about the Russian uh, collusion and such, which, of course, doesn't, is not, doesn't exist. But with the, the real impact is when you have Google and Facebook and otherwise Twitter uh, suppressing expression. 
Yeah, and putting their thumb I mean, on the scale in yeah. elections when they are a that's media, far more impactful. Media. Yeah, that's far more than 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 Russia investing a hundred thousand dollars in Facebook ads that supposedly for only for Trump, which is not true. Right. Even Imagine the phone company turning off our phones because we're conservatives and we say conservative things. Right. Imagine the post office saying we're not delivering your mail because we don't like what you sent. Yeah. Good point. Right. Yeah. This is, and I'm not saying they should be protected in a position like utility companies. I, right. I don't want them protected or made permanent. Right. Uh, but it's clear they are doing something uh, like the, the best example I see right. is Twitter has a uh, competitor called Gab. Yes. And Gab is not allowed in the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store as an app. Right. Because Twitter is putting pressure on Apple and Google's app stores to keep their competitors out. That's total collusion right there. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's true. It's true. And, 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 and then, and then yeah. look, I know a little bit about uh, the antitrust laws and how they work. There's something called the Herfindahl Index. And the notion is that you decide what the industry is. And then you decide what the share of this particular company that's allegedly violating uh, the, the monopoly rules, uh, anti-monopoly rules, uh, what their share is. So, for example, if you look at, uh, I don't know, uh, Ben & Jerry's, okay, they're in the ice cream business, right? So what's their share? Okay, well, you know, there's, they have maybe a 20% share. I, I'm just guessing. I'm just saying I'm sure they're doing very well. Uh, but there are plenty of other ice cream players, dryers, and so on like that, right? But but what if you can't really define what the or, or you play you monkey around with the definition of the industry? Example, Apple. Okay, what business is Apple in? Tell me. Uh, and I mean it rhetorically. You you would say, well, you know, they're in the smartphone business. Well, okay, yeah, they're definitely in that. Um, but if you, if, if you limit it only to, let's say, the computer business, then you could say, well, Apple has a huge share, right? Maybe it's too much of a share, although in this case it's not. But you, would, you could say, you know, uh, <laughs> if you want to be ridiculous about it, you could say they, they, they have a share uh, in, the, in the personal computing business that uses uh, iOS, okay? Well, then they have a 100% share, right? But if you, if you expand it and say, well, they're in the business of electronics in the digital world, then they're a much smaller percentage, aren't they? So a company like Apple, and we're going to get to Google in a second, is going to try to say, well, we're in the business of so much more, right? We're in the, not, it's not just search engine stuff. It's, it's also providing platforms, and it's also about inventing different things like Waze and such like that. They're, they're a huge business. So therefore, their share is tiny compared to what you're accusing us of, right? So a judge will have to make a decision what the industry is. Isn't that interesting? Based on that index. Yeah. yeah. Based Percentage on the index. of industry yeah. in the index. So, and, and, you know, uh, Trump and the, the government, if it's actually going to pursue them, hopefully, uh, will argue, no, listen, you're in the business of controlling YouTube. So YouTube is the video business, and that you've so restricted. I mean, there's, there's no other business there. Yeah, and, and when you get into the computer business, there's a term which is very important here, a standard. Right. Has the killer application, by killer application, I don't mean Jeffrey Dahmer, Charles Manson, I mean like spreadsheets hey, or something like yeah. that for the Excel listeners, not you, but yeah. you know. Okay, so are in the in the video segment, in the killer app of online video, how yes. much does YouTube control? Well, 98%. For sure. Right? Yep. So are you using your competitive 
advantages of controlling 98% to suppress XYZ people selectively. Yeah. And so, yes, they are. Yeah, of course they are. And so I, I don't want to get drilled down too much on this. The point is that Donald Trump is now looking into this. This is this is good news at the end of the day. And it should be terrifying for Google and YouTube. They, they, sh- they should not have been so suppressive. They don't realize how much they're acting like a hog. But of course, they're not going to get the message. You know, they're, they're going to be on their perch and they're going to assume, just like King George III did, you know, who are these people to be so uppity with me? I get to text them, and they should be happy about it. Right. You know? Can I make one more point about this? Because I think it's germane to what we're talking about. And the salience of this is this. If they were engaging in this kind of behavior in some segment of the marketplace, whatever it is, let's just say uh, regarding stand-up comedian videos of, you know, whatever, something like that, or music videos, or something like that. It would be an entertainment industry issue, and yes, it would be non-competitive behavior, but it would be for a certain segment of the population that enjoys that kind of entertainment. But the fact that they're getting involved in an area affecting political thought and political decisions that then have a byproduct of affecting elections, that's where it gets really dangerous, because then they're controlling who people in essence, elected, put in the positions of power over others. Yeah, They're course. not just empowering one comedian over another as an industry segment selling more albums. Right. Right. So, so, so that's, I mean, look, I, I don't, again, I don't want to drill down too much in it. I get it. The, the, but this is a very big issue about the, what you were talking about, going back to what you were saying, is that it's remarkable how well we've done in light of uh, this oppression of voting and the effort to minimize uh, the the message. Yeah, it's a by, downright miracle we did as right, well as we by did. By Google, by YouTube, which is owned uh, by Google. Yeah. Uh, by Facebook, Twitter, and otherwise. I mean, this is this is really bad stuff. And to say nothing of CNN and MSNBC and all the na- the major networks, PBS, NPR, and so forth. I mean, it's really extraordinary that we have it. The, the great news is that we do have a voice. We do have talk radio. We do have Fox News, which is fantastic. We do have a limited number of newspapers and outlets and, uh, of course, Internet voices like Breitbart and The Daily Wire and so forth. These, these are good things. Uh, there is an outlet. That's the, that's the beauty of it. And now, of course, PragerU, which has been around for you know, eight or so years, and I'm so honored to be part of that uh, very important messaging, we're actually really dramatically affecting the voice of conservatism. I personally think that we helped in the Electoral College uh, dramatically. Um, how, why do I feel this way? Because in PragerU, we know that seven out of 10 viewers uh, changed their minds at least on one issue of whatever video they may have watched. We know that. We also know that our most successful video, strangely enough, wait for it, the explanation of the Electoral College. People were fascinated with that. And, and they changed their mind about the Electoral College when they watched it. Almost everyone did. So uh, rather than seeing a general population versus Electoral, they, they got it. They liked it. And so we are changing minds so dramatically. So I'm not surprised that partisan companies like Google and Facebook and such will do everything they can to shut down PragerU. We've got a billion views Last year and, and more than a billion views this year. Yeah, they've so, done everything they can to put the teachers union in charge of our, it's of our collective minds. Yeah. And this burr in the saddle is ruining their work. Exactly. So, of course, they're, yeah. you know. 
And and so I, I'm I'm thrilled that we're so effective, but of course that only means that Google's going to do whatever it can to start restricting us. So and, and that's hence the lawsuit. Um, but now the, the thing I want to talk about now, associated with all this, is going back to the midterms and how successful they were in light of all the things in the perspective, the historical perspective, and also the social media suppression perspective. Think about what this means for 2020, right? I'm now more confident than ever that, that President Trump will win re-election, barring, of course, some sort of you know, horrific uh, devastation in the economy, barring some horrific, I don't know, uh, finding that Trump uh, you know, did something so horrific you know, sexually or molestation of little boys or something, I, God forbid, um, or you know, that he did something criminal that they could actually prove it and then therefore impeach. Yeah, while in office. While in office, exactly right. You get the idea. It has to be something really very significant. So there's always that caveat. But if things go the way they are going right now, not even necessarily improving, 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 just just staying exactly as is right now with the impact that we're having on foreign policy, with the economy that we're having, uh, black unemployment, you know, being so good uh, right now. I mean, this is... Fantastic stuff. So, <clears throat> but the, the Democrats will not get the message, right? I mean, they, clearly, what's going on is that the people are voting for the economy, and now that there's going to be a backlash a little bit with Nancy Pelosi and such, they'll see her face again every day, every day, and they'll they'll say how wrong he is, and they'll say the same same message, like this this man is a monster, and you got to stop him, and he's fascist, and all those stuff. And we know that that doesn't work. It's the blah, blah, blah. It's the Kavanaugh effect that we knew was going to happen. And they'll be doing little Kavanaugh's every day in some form or another, right? Not, I'm not necessarily saying that there'll be a confirm, another confirmation. It'll be exactly the same thing. I'm talking instead about this notion of you know, trying to uh, demonize uh, Trump and, and, you know, what is it, uh, a broad brushstroke against him in every respect. Uh, with every little issue that might yeah, come up, creating straw man enemies day after day. Yeah, that, yeah. there you go. It, so that that's that's yeah. what I think. You know, that it will be rejected again, and even more so. And they'll say, "Listen, guys, we gave you a chance. You at least you you guys in the house, we gave you a chance, yeah, and you, you didn't work. And with you us. squandered it. Come on, man. We 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 let you in." So that you could work together and you claim that you want to be working together with the Republicans and get these things done that will be much more kumbaya. We're just giving you the option. I, I think of a judge who does this a lot, by the way. Judges do this, and I don't mind that they do this. They hear a squabble between the plaintiff and the defendant, and the, the lawyers are yelling at each other. And they, and they say, listen, go into that room over there. They offer the jury room uh, very often. They say, work this out. I want you to spend an hour. Don't come back. And until, until you got something. until you got something, and if yeah. you don't, well then, then we'll talk, okay? But I really want you to spend time, good quality time, in good faith. Get in there, and I I really want to see a good yeah, result. Figure here. it out, so I don't have to cut the baby in two. Right, exactly. And, so and, wait, 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 yeah. wait, wait. Hold on. So so then they, then they come back, and the one side who was unreasonable uh, refuses to give in, okay, for whatever reason. And you know what the judge is going to do to that guy? He's going to just destroy him. He's going to say, listen, I gave you an opportunity to work it out. You didn't avail yourself of it. You squandered that opportunity, and I'm going to hold it against you. That's right. Okay? That's, that's what happens. So, yes, work it out. 
Otherwise, I'm going with this guy. Yeah, but you think about how the voters will reward both parties if, in exchange for something they want that's reasonable, the Democrat new House majority said, we're approving the wall funding. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's and right. And in exchange, we want, I'm just picking one thing here. And it doesn't matter what it is, but it's just, I, just something I know that. We want Planned Parenthood funded for 10 years. In exchange, we'll build the wall for you. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. Right, right, right. And you know, again, something reasonable, not or, gun control. Or, 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 or know, how about something. this? How about saying we won't fight Obamacare? We won't. We won't seek the repeal of Obamacare yeah. anymore. Although the mandate uh, that's out of you know that's yeah, that's already been it's gone. It's but, gone anyway. Yeah. But but we won't seek the repeal of Obamacare anymore. It'll still have its own life. Fine. But you give us the the wall, whatever. And these are reasonable things that can be effectuated. Yeah. And suddenly, suddenly it would. Be, but see, here's the thing, and this is the message that our audience understands. Those are not reasonable people who want the continuation of America. They're they're actually our enemy. But these guys will never. Ever compromise. That's the whole point. I think that's where your point is. As yes, well. exactly. Okay. So, uh, and that's fine by me because at the end of the day, they'll they'll never compromise. They won't agree with whatever Trump does. Let's say, okay, so they'll hold off on him a little bit. They'll push back on it. But he's already done so many great legislative achievements when it comes to the, the you know minimizing Obamacare, uh, getting the new tax code in, and everything else. Uh, you know, the antitrust stuff he'll do. He doesn't need Congress's help for that. There's a lot of things he doesn't need Congress's help on. He's going to do some executive orders to undo Obama's previous executive orders. Go. He doesn't need Congress to uh, to do that, right? He, and then you've got the Supreme Court nominees, but also the judge, you know, the federal judgeships and everything else. He doesn't need Congress to do that. He just needs the Senate. And we've got plenty of, of that. There's a lot of things that he won't really need in the next two years to do. All he needs to do is just to continue ensuring the destruction of all these regulations, and he'll he'll win re-election, you know, presto pronto, and then we'll get the House back again in uh, 2020, as well as the presidency, and we'll maintain, if not improve, our uh, solid hold in the Senate as well. So it's going to be great. I mean, look, it's it, it's almost, you know, another way to look at this this situation of losing, quote unquote, losing the House is maybe this is a good thing at the end of the day because. You know, it's it's not as if, if if we if we kept the house. There's one way of looking. If we kept the house, you know, by one vote, let's say, um, and then continue to ramrod our policies, and uh, and I, I say ramrod in a good way, but then uh, the Democrats will be able to say, well, look, you know, we weren't able to do anything, and you give us a chance, and we're going to fight these guys, and 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 again, only demonize him. Now they have to assume responsibility. Now they have to say, well, look at the things we've done, and then they'll. They won't be able to point to anything meaningful at the end of the day. Everything that they'll offer is destructive. So there's a lot of silver lining here. It's not as if there's some sort of uh, great plan that Trump was planning to to you know push through Congress that now is going to be derailed, right? Yeah, most of the opposition until now came from his own party establishment. Yeah, good. You know, that's a good Paul point. Ryan, look at all the things that that idiot. Stopped. Right, John you know, McCain. Conce- also, yeah, concealed carry. Uh, you know, reciprocity. The the wall. Any of those things that you really wanted that you voted for with Trump. Yeah, but I'm not talking about that. But just, we're not getting. You I, know, anyway. That's that's not the point. The point is just about whether or not the you know what the Democrats are going to advance and whether or not they can advance it. And they're going to have to assume responsibility at the end of the day. They will not be able to deliver. Uh, the Democrats will be blamed at the end of the day for not delivering anything. So they'll see the ineffectiveness of the Democrats. They're going to use the House 
as yet another platform to do, you know, the, the, the pink pussy hat thing, to do anti antifa sort of stuff, to rant and rave as much as possible. And they're going to look ugly in the process. And, you know, people will once again run to the conservative party because they'll realize this is the, the party of the grownups at the end of the day. The only thing that, that um, uh, the Republicans are somewhat worried about is that now the Democrats, now that they have the House, they will stop at nothing to investigate uh, Trump over and over again, right? That's going to be their main mission. Uh, to, to which I say, so, go for it. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, go, go for it. But that's another example of wasting their time with, you know, tantrums. And I demand subpoenas, and we're going to find out this. And okay, that really worked well for you for the Kavanaugh thing, didn't it? That really worked well with you with the Russian collusion. Yeah, didn't bring it, it on. Bring it on. Yeah, I do want to say one thing that I think is really good news. By having the extended majority of the Senate currently, along with allowing federal judgeships and Supreme Court nominees to go through unimpeded by an individual like, say, a Jeff Flake or some idiot like that. And there are going to be those idiots, but now they will be overwhelmed. You're not going to need their votes for stuff. The real important thing is that Trump is now free to fire Jeff Sessions and get a replacement, a good replacement, confirmed immediately. Oh, that's a great and point. And so for my main— Great point. Uh, see, I told you it was important. <laughs> <laughs> my main point about worrying about losing the House is the halt of the Devin Nunes, Jim Jordan, and Mark Meadows investigators of the Spygate and those things, Right. The, the corruption at the FBI, DOJ, etc. But now, if we get some guy like an Andy McCarthy at the Department of Justice as the Attorney General, who will fire McCabe, clean house, and everything, and is approved like that because the Senate is strongly in our hands, he can do all those investigations. He can bring prosecutions and prosecutorial action. He can hold daily press conferences and say, this is what we found in the FBI. This is what we found in the CIA. This is what we found in the NSA. He can indict Hillary. Hillary, Clapper, Comey, McCabe, uh, Rosenstein, all of them. Wait, wait. And also Obama. And Obama. <laughs> right. Okay. Oh, that'd be great. And that that which means we don't we won't be dependent on the Devin Nunes type people who did a great job so far, but because it was only at the at the congressional level and they could refer articles for prosecution to the DOJ, but Rosenstein and Sessions did nothing with it. It stopped dead in its tracks. Yeah, yeah. I would much rather have those people at the DOJ who can actually bring charges than people at the House who can just investigate and make a statement to the media. Yeah, I like and have that. it covered up by the media anyway. Well, this is a, you know, yet another good example of the positive effect of having more control of the Senate. It's it's very powerful. We get to do our investigations too. You know, be careful what you want, Democrats. You just might get it right. You really you you claim not to want divisiveness. Guess what? You're going to get it. If you dare to start these investigations, you go, be at it. But you, you better have something because we have something. We've got a hell of a lot. And we've got a lot more power now in the Senate that can really initiate something meaningful. Yeah, and it's not just numbers. Can I make one really quick point? Mark Levin said about two years ago, and I thought this was so brilliant. He said, we have one Ted Cruz, one Mike Lee, and one Rand Paul who's sometimes as good as the other two on some issues, but not always. We have three guys in the Senate who are real conservatives. Everyone else was either in the middle or they were establishment on the Republican side of the caucus. With the election of McSally, with the election of, of Rick Scott out of Florida, yeah. with the election out of Holly, we just added not just three Republicans, but three Ted Cruz-type conservatives. 
That's the real power. That means Ted Cruz and Mike Lee won't be standing alone, hanging in the wind when they have to stand athwart of something unconstitutional. This is gigantic. Right. As well as we don't have Jeff Flake anymore. Yeah, we have Romney. I expressed you know some of my concerns about him offline, but having now four Ted Cruises. That's like having two yeah. Batmans yeah. in Gotham. <laughs> very well said. I'm very happy about it, too. Look, and, and we're set up very nicely for 2020. Uh, the country is set up for great things. There is a, a great mood in the country. The, uh, the, the wonder of all this and the greatness of all this is the sense that the country really likes Trump. At the end of the day, they, they get his message. There is a new uh, era uh, where we are not going to take any crap anymore. Uh, we are not going to be dancing around, well, how did he say these words, and he shouldn't tweet this and shouldn't tweet that. No, we're, we're looking at results at the end of the day, and God damn it, Trump has delivered results. Thank say you. Say that again just one more time. That <laughs> was right. so good. God damn it. Trump has delivered results. That's your best stuff you've I, ever done. <laughs> Dude, just, just do a whole hour radio show on AM870 of just saying I that know, over exactly and over. Exactly right. And it's a beautiful thing. So we're just going to continue on with this, and barring like some exceptional circumstance, like we talked about, and uh, you know, up to 2020, we're going to retake the White House easily. We're going to clean up on the on the House and the Senate, and we're going to continue making this country great again and keeping it that way. I'm Barack Lurie. Thanks for listening. We'll talk with you next week. Please share with your friends on all the social sites. Tell them about this great Barack Lurie podcast. We are going to explode this and make this a huge following. Thank you. Keep the Barack Lurie podcast great. 